So my message today is about um, boasting. So I'm going to boast about our song leaders who do an absolutely wonderful job when we have a message and they spend the time pouring through all those songs to make sure that there's a common theme and uh, helping us get our message across. So I'm very thankful, um, particularly for Isaac and the team who do all that sort of work. That's just fantastic. So the question or the uh, topic for the day is all boasting wrong. Well, before I get myself hung, <laughs> um, yeah, he did win the gold medal last um, Sunday and uh, his little brother is boasting about it and uh, he did a good job. So, yes, one little happy chappy. So, I did that. Boasting. So, let's look at the English uh, definition for it from the um, Oxford languages. It's excessively proud and self-satisfied talk about one's achievements, possessions or abilities. Um, his online boasting led police straight to his doorstep for an adjective exhibiting or characterised by excessive pride or self-satisfaction. And you can see just from the English definition, um, it's very much about self and what we're doing, what we're saying, what we're about, which is very contrary to us and our lives as Christians. But before we go into that, let's look at some examples of what um, God would consider boasting being sinful. And the first one here from 1 Kings chapter 20, and the king of Israel answered, telling him, let not him who straps on his armour boast himself as he who takes it off. Um, Boasting the victory before the battle has even started. I talked to Jonathan about that last Sunday, actually. Um, He knew he was going to win. He told everybody, I'm going to win. Um, This is one of the wisest sayings that the evil king Ahab uttered. Um, It is one thing to put on the armour and be willing to go into battle uh, with confidence, but it's another matter to be able to take it off the armour after the victory has been won. And from Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23, uh, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches. Here we read very simply, not too difficult, boasting of one's wisdom, might and riches is going to cause one to sin. Then we go to Psalm 52 and verse 1. Uh, Why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. Boasting of evil. Do you think that God has not seen what you have done? Do you think you've gotten away with something? Uh, God sees the evil in the world and he will judge. Maybe not today or tomorrow, but the day of judgment is inevitable. And, of course, the one that we may be all familiar with is like uh, we call toot your own horn or blow your own trumpet. Um, I say to the boastful, do not boast. And to the wicked, do not lift up your horn. Do not lift up your horn on high or speak with haughty neck, as we're told in Psalm 75, verse 4. Um, What's accomplished by blowing your own trumpet? Um, When you toot your own horn, brag about your accomplishments. Um, Everyone sees it for what it exactly is. Wouldn't it be so much better if you're able to have someone else toot your horn? Then you have another passage like this one from Proverbs 27 verse 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, 
for you do not know what a day may bring. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Obadiah 1 and verse 12. But do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of the rain. Do not boast in the day of distress. Um, boasting of someone else's troubles. Huh? Um, I guess in today's lingo we might say, don't kick a man when he's down. Huh? What satisfaction is there in gloating over someone else's troubles? We have enough of our own troubles about gloating over someone else's troubles. And then you've got um, from Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 8 to 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We can't even boast of our own salvation, because we were not saved by works. We would only have cause to boast if we were perfect in every way. But we are not. Fortunately for us, God does not save us on the basis of our works. He saves us by his grace. All cause for boasting is eliminated. We've all fallen short and only saved by God's mercy. Then we have James chapter 3 and verses 13 to 14. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct... Let him show, you, show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. A couple of observations from James. Uh, the verses reveal that wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual and of the devil. For where you have an envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial and sincere. So what's James letting us know here? He's saying, if you're truly wise, then you shouldn't have to talk about it. Let him show his wisdom by his good life, by the deeds done, in the humility that comes from wisdom. See, talk or bragging in it is cheap. God's saying, if you're really wise, do something with it. He could as easily have said, if you're rich, do something with it. Or if you're mighty or strong, do something with it. Use your wisdom or your strength or your riches for the upbuilding of God's kingdom, for the benefit of others around you. And in verse 14, boasting in one's outward conformity to the will of God, while the heart is not in sync. This is nothing more than hypocrisy. Looks okay on the outside, but not so good on the inside. You can fool people, but you can't fool God. And then here we have an example in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 1 to 8. It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you of a kind that is not tolerated even among the pagans. For a man has his father's wife and you are arrogant. Ought you and rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, 
I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven and you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Here you have an example of a church which is boasting about the tolerance of sin. In the context, we have a man who's bragging about his sin before the church, a sin of sexual immorality, and the church was boasting, see how tolerant we are. Paul again alludes to the pride of the Corinthians. This time it was pride that rather than cause them to mourn over the sin, allowed them to tolerate such a sinner in the congregation. Paul presses his judgment of the case by saying that he is with them in spirit and has already passed judgment on the offending person. When I kind of read this topic and think, what's changed today? There seems to be a state of affairs in our world today. We are called intolerant because we call sin, sin. We are called intolerant because we believe that there is a difference between right and wrong. The world is so tolerant except with those who are intolerant of sin. There's a big difference between forgiveness and tolerance. Paul warns of some of the dangers in boasting. He asked the rhetorical question, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Boasting, like leavening, working was through the bread dough, works its way through the church. But we need to sweep the kind of boasting right out the door. Christ our Passover lamb is the only sacrifice for sins. The scriptures have much to say about boasting. So, something to boast about. In Psalm 34 and verse 2, I'll read from 1 and 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. The psalmist opens with a personal praise. He calls attention to what God has done Rather than boastfully point to his own works and accomplishments, the praise of God is continual, God-centred and the product of a grateful heart. The great chorus of all God's saints joyfully celebrates what God has done on behalf of his own. I may not have all the answers, but God does. God is good. I'll boast all day long about his goodness Jeremiah 9.23 and then going on to verse 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his roles, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. 
Here we know boasting about knowing the Lord. Isn't it a great thing to understand how much God loves us? Isn't it a great thing to know God? Isn't it a great thing that God is loving, just and righteous? Isn't it a great thing to know that God delights when his children practice steadfast love, justice and righteousness? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 12, For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and supremely so toward you. Boasting of a life lived by grace. Paul was accused of showing worldly shrewdness and having been evasive by writing one thing uh, but meaning or intending another. That was the accusation against him. These charges Paul answers in the only way possible for him by appealing to the testament of his own conscience and the Corinthians' knowledge of his conduct. Paul claims that in both church and world his conduct has been characterised by a God-given purity of intention and openness and had been governed by the grace of God. Simplicity and godly sincerity. We don't have them talk about such things. Yet Paul says that these are the things of which it is good to boast. Not about how much we have, but how simply and sincerely we live. Not about what we've accomplished, but about a clear conscience before God. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 14 Just as you did partially understand us that on the day of our Lord Jesus you will be boast of us as we will boast of you. Here he talks about boasting of others who have lived their lives in service to others. Paul expresses the hope that they would reach the full assurance that he could give them as much cause for pride as they would give him pride in the day of the Lord Jesus. So you can see it's a good thing to honour those who have done well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 16 to 31, another example of, of Paul, um, let's read, I respect, I repeat, let no one think me foolish, but even if you do, accept me as a fool, so that I too may boast a little. What I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since my boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman. With far greater labours, 
far more imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? I am not weak. Who is made to fall? And I am not indignant. If I must boast, I will boast of the thing that show my weakness. Paul in this circumstance has been challenged by other teachers. He could have boasted till the cows come home about what he is and who he is, but he doesn't. Paul expresses the hope that they would reach the full assurance and he decides to boast about the things that are so different than the things his opponents were boasting about. The teachers who have been influencing the church at Corinth in Paul's absence have been commending themselves. They boasted of their achievements. They had wallowed in a culture of fame, success and showy rhetoric. Now to answer them, Paul lists his own achievements. All of them are things that any normal person in the Roman world would be too ashamed to mention, let alone celebrate. Paul's greatest credential was the amount that he had suffered for Christ, which is exactly what Jesus told him would happen in Acts chapter 9, verse 16. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And as he wrote this personal letter of recommendation for himself, he began by listing all the things that would normally disqualify a person right away. Prison, beatings, official floggings, stoning and shipwrecks. All these would mean not only that you were an unsavoury character, whom most people would have tried to avoid, but, and people are going to say the gods are angry with him as well. The dangers Paul faced and the hardships he endured were not the sort of thing that cultured and educated people like Paul's opponents would have put up with. They would have insisted on military guards or an escort. They certainly would have gone, wouldn't have gone hungry, cold or without sleep. That would be too demeaning. Yet these are the very things that Paul boasts about. The crescendo for him in that that whole passage is in verse 30. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. For a moment, Paul pauses and reflects on the paragraph he has just dictated. Both he and his opponents might boast, but his boasting was distinctive, sincere, Paradoxically, he prided himself on evidence of his weaknesses that became evidences of God's surpassing power in supporting and delivering him. 
Because he had been so precise in prescribing his afflictions and perils, he realised that the record sounded not only incredible but also out of keeping for an apostle that his rivals might easily dismiss. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. And he repeats it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. But he said to me, referring to Jesus, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, he writes, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Over against all such improper and sinful boasting, Paul sets an entirely different boasting of his own. It is boasting in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So important is the cause of boasting that Paul says it is inconceivable that he could boast in anything else. The cross speaks of the atonement necessitated by man's sin. The full name of the Saviour speaks to the significance of his person and the role that he played, meaning literally God who saves the Messiah. Paul was boasting in the cross of Christ because of what the cross had accomplished in his own life. As Paul looks back on his life, he realises that he too gloried in human entertainment, as he told us in Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 to 6. But then he met Jesus. All this passed for him. The world with its selfish and fleshly attitudes was crucified to him and he to the world. In its place came Christ alone, Christ who was everything. As we go about this week, let us celebrate God's forgiveness with sincerity and truth. Let us stop boasting about things that don't really matter. Let him who boasts boast in the Lord.